Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things. I'm here at the Black Buffalo Record Headquarters with the man himself, Kevin Beal. Thanks for coming on the show today. No, no problem. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for welcoming to the beautiful space. I remember the first time I came here, I couldn't get the highs of this. And then I found out that it's an actual real buffalo. Yeah, it's an actual buffalo head. Uh, picked it up about 15 years ago from uh, an antique store in town here and yeah, it, 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 it kind of, I've always wanted to have a, a mascot for the label, and as soon as I saw it, I had to have it, so <laughs> I negotiated with the owner. He he was asking uh, close to $2,000 or something. I'm like, oh, that's way, way out of my budget, but so we worked it out, and I actually uh, paid it off over like several weeks or whatever, but I walked out of the store with it that yeah. day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Looks yeah. great. Yeah. Um, again, thanks for welcoming to the space. So let's start, like... Did you have the name before the mascot, or? Uh, well, actually, we started, uh, the name was called In Vinyl We Trust. Oh. Uh, so when I started selling records out of my garage over 15 years ago, um, I, I needed to have an identity or a label, like just some kind of name, so mm. that's what I came up with. Um, but at that time, social media and Twitter was getting new, and I posted my name on Twitter and another a record company in the States was like, well, that's our name. <laughs> and they actually sent me a, uh, they served me a cease and desist. What? Yes. <laughs> so out of, out of all that, um, they actually paid me some money to stop using the name. And then I, I was looking for a name. And so I, I, t- I chose a name that I basically nobody else would have. And that's Black Buffalo. Cause those are, it's, it has meaning to me. The Buffalo is, is basically my Métis heritage. And uh, black is just kind of sound. It sounded good to go with it, and it's a good color, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how really Black Buffalo came, and then holy smokes, someone ha- sued you for that name. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> you know, Americans they love that, right? So, um, and then okay, so let's rewind a bit then yeah. uh, with the records. How did that start? Because you like you're selling out of out of your garage, but like. How did you get into selling records? Uh, uh, well, just buying, just being a, a collector and not knowing when to stop <laughs> collecting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I've always been uh, a collector of music. I remember in the '80s going to the store when you know when I was like 10, 11, 12, buying records, and then that kind of fade out. And you know, cassettes and uh, CDs were prominent, right? Mm. But I, I always had a I would always go spend my allowance at the record store every week. That's where I would go, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's just the progression. And as, as I got more disposable income, the collection grew. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? To the point where it's like I, you're either going to be a hoarder or you got to kind of <laughs> get, get rid of stuff, right? So I, I was encouraged by my friends to say, you know, you, you have an empty garage. Why don't you just open it up, mm. do kind of a yard sale thing? And, and that's really where Black Buffalo got started. Mm. So, uh, you know, you're selling these records because you had a ton and then people love your sense of music. But let's even go back a bit further. Uh, Like, how did you fall in love with music? Uh, I I guess I would attribute that to my uh, my father, my brother, Um, just being the the younger brother trying to um, emulate your older brother. He was 
um, into music as well. I, I didn't really care for his style of music. What was his style of music? He, he was more into the the pop, 80s pop, like Duran uh, Duran yeah, and yeah. That, that kind of thing. And and that's where I, I was trying to be like him, but not in that sense. I had to have my own identity. That's where I kind of found rap music. Right? Oh, okay. Because I, I wanted to... I was going to the music store and, and with him, like my, my, my parents would say, oh, you go with your brother, yeah, get, get out of here kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So we go to the music store, but I wouldn't know what to spend my money on. I'm not gonna buy the same thing as him, yeah. right? I, I can't be, I'm not gonna just, we're not gonna have the same Duran Duran right, tape. That was right. <laughs> ridiculous, <laughs> right, right? right? So I, I started to just, I think my first tape uh, was like Fat Boys and Run DMC. Um, before that, I was kind of into like, George Michael and Wham and kind of uh, dancey stuff, right? Yeah, Tears yeah. for Fears even, right? Um, so, uh, but my brother started to buy those same tapes. I'm like, well, I, again, I can't, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta steer away, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, but it was just, my, my dad played guitar, my brother played guitar. Um, I was taking saxophone lessons. And so, so oh, there's always nice. kind of a, you know, a musical thing. I took piano lessons at that age too, mm. um, but that really wasn't hip hop, right? Saxophone R and piano, like. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, oh. He, he likes attention. <laughs> this is one of our. What's his name? Fur babies, this is Blackie. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Making a cameo, making sure everything is good. Yeah, so, you know, you fell in love with music, started buying records, yep. opened a store, yep. uh, got sued, well, almost got sued. Uh, I mean, you pretty much get like, I'll say, got a letter saying, do not, or this will yeah. happen. Yep. Uh, and then you changing them to Black Buffalo Records. Like, let's start with that name though. How long did he, you know, you got this letter, how long did take you to uh, get this name change done? Oh, it didn't take that long at all. I, mm -hmm. I, I was kind of, I don't know, like, I, I didn't really believe it was happening. Like, we were kind of talking over Twitter at the time, like, change your name. No, I'm not going to change your name, blah, blah, blah. And then it died down for a couple months. And then I was at work and this guy was tapping on my window and he's like, I'm serving you papers. I'm like, oh, Whoa. this is, it was just out of the blue. I just mm. got served papers, right? And then I started looking and I called them up and in, in a matter of like a month, it was resolved, mm. right? So, it, and then I just, again, I just changed my name. And at that time I was also involved with a group of people that were opening up a, uh, a co-op store um, called Plan B. Mm. Uh, and that was my first uh, adventure into having a full retail space. Okay. Right. Um, so that was all happening at, at the same time. Um, but yeah, it was, it didn't really phase me too much. Uh, it it kind of gave me the motivation that, you know, if I'm pissing somebody off, I'm doing something right. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so. Uh, Plan B, like, um, that's like, you went from your garage to Plan B selling the yep. records there? Yep. Okay. And it was a co-op. It, it was a bunch of uh, small, like, not, not even independent, more like micro businesses. Some were like people that would go to a flea market and sell their wares, like mm. crafters and other antique people so it, we all got together and shared rent on a space right mm. and that's how we could all kind of afford that place. and grow yeah and, and that's where black buffalo really started to grow um, we got exposure on uh, from uh, different communities and and the community that we we're in kind of embraced us as well mm -hmm. as soon as we opened up there a lot of the hip hop hip hop community and djs were coming in and, and buying records and that's when i started to get to know that that community and grow into where we are now. Yeah. yeah. So you know, 
I mean, you're selling records. You're not a record label. No. When did that transformation and evolution happen? That happened about uh, five, seven years into to the, to the store by by hosting, um, you know, record store day parties and hosting anniversary parties. I would always invite in the hip hop community DJs to play. Uh, myself, I'm I'm a DJ kind of. Um, Growing up in hip hop, you always try to, or for me, you kind of align to one of the four elements, right? You, either you're a rapper, a graffiti artist, break dancer, or a DJ, right? So mm. me, collecting music and stuff, I was more of a DJ. And mm. even in high school, like, I played around and always had turntables. I would bring bring my uh, turntables to uh, to parties and set up and play. So I always was that kind of DJ. So mm. when I had a chance in my own space to invite that community in, I, I was, that was, you know, that was, that was more than happy to do that. It, it, it made, made my, my 14 year old self kind of <laughs> proud, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but then we just started uh, growing relationships from there. Um, you know, DJ Moves would come in and he, he had a whole crew of people. Um, Joe Run would come in, he'd do some spinning. Um, even like Scratch Bastard stopped by at a time, right? So it was really cool to see the embrace anytime mm. we open up the store. And, and we're also uh, open up the store to the, the indie rock scene as well. So we were getting to know um, a lot of that, that scene as well. And it was just good to, to, uh, to mingle with, with the, the Halifax music scene. Right? Mm, mm. And Halifax has this super rich music, music scene. Um, but like, at what point were you, you got introduced to these DJs coming to play at the record store uh, but at, at what point we were like, okay, we could actually put out music? Well, the Joe Run kind of came up with that idea. Uh, he, he approached me and said he had a couple songs and why don't we give it a go? And I uh, looked, took, took that offer and, and ran with it. And uh, we're now looking at number 37 and 38 coming off the pipeline pretty quick. Damn, right? damn, so, <laughs> damn, that is amazing. So, so. Um, so, but like, what experience did you have with, uh, you know, it's one thing to sell records, it's another thing to have artists get music done, distribute it, like, but what skill set did you have that helped you with that transition? Uh, that's a good question. I think it, just being organized and, and having the, the drive and ambition to do it, um, I guess, is the best I can can describe. I, I went to university and got a Bachelor of Commerce, but I don't really think that education had much to do with it. <laughs> um, I, I always wanted to own my own business. I've had other kind of um, you know, entrepreneurial aspirations before, mm. and, and this is just kind of the an evolution of my collection and a passion that kind of just mm, built, right? And, mm. and I think it was just more of my passion that really kind of has put us in this position. Mm. Just, and then what what else, like the process exactly of putting out that first record? Uh, the first record we put out was, it wasn't actually a pressed record, it's, it's what they call a lathe record, which is um, basically a, a needle being etched into a piece of plastic. Okay. And the, the sound quality is, is not as good, but uh, back in the 70s, they used to call those dub plates, and DJs would play dub plates, and they would only oh, have a... You know what? This a, is the first... Like, I grew up in, in Nigeria, and I grew up with reggae music. Yes, And yes. you always hear dub plates. Yeah. And I never knew what it meant till this moment. Right. It's, it's basically a, a really uh, lo-fi version of a record where it's a, it's a needle in a groove and 
depending on the plastic or the material that it's cut into, it would uh, disintegrate over time or oh. only, you only get a certain number of plays out of it before it would start to really not Gosh. be able to do it, right? So, so it's like one step down from like a record record. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a do-it-yourself way of putting out your record, <laughs> yeah. right? And, okay. and, and when you don't have access to a pressing plant, like mm. in those countries that you're referring to where uh, reggae was predominant, that that's, you got to get the record out, right? Mm. Yeah. So. Now I know what dub plate means. Thanks for that. Like, <laughs> no okay, well, so yeah. so that that was. So that's how we started, yeah. and it sold well. And the reception was well, and, and we just uh, I just kept on reinvesting the money. I I have a full time job. I'm not I'm not in for any kind of profit or anything. Again, it's more passion, right? Mm. So for me, just to put out more records, that's that's rewarding for me. Mm. I, I don't, I'm not looking to get a huge payday. I just want to have a huge catalog of records mm. out there. So. That, mm. That's that's where. And like, wh- how long between the very first one and the second one was there a huge gap before this next uh, one came out? No, we, we, so we started in 2016. Oh uh, wow! Okay, right? so so you can yeah, do, you can like, kind of do yeah, the math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so what? That's uh, five years or something. So t- that's the, like seven or so a year. Well, in the first year we only did two records, mm. and then the next year I think we did four, mm. and, and then, then the next year we did up. like. 12 <laughs> and then the next year we're up to 24. so right? so where, where is like each different artist or did you have artists like have one or two come out yeah so in our first our first five releases uh was well joe run crypto rips which which is a punk band skinny lee which was a blues artist and word burglar which is another hip-hop artist mm. right um those were all in, in the first two years kind of thing um and then as we started to get a name for ourselves, more people were starting to send us demos mm. and wanted to work with us. And then uh, one, of the, one of the local uh, rappers, uh, uh, Ghetto Socks, reached out to us and said he had a project with a new uh, up-and-comer, uh, Aquaculture, right? So that was the first time we did Hollows together. And that ended up winning a Nova Scotia Music Award, mm. right? So that success also gave me more drive to put out before then we were only putting out seven inch singles basically and that was our first full-length album that did very well oh. and, and and that gave open doors to do more full-length and we yeah. saw that that was very rewarding being part of that process mm. right from the ground to seeing the reward yeah uh, receiving an award yeah you right. know one thing i kind of noticed is like we choose like okay i'm doing this and then once you figure it out, you just add another piece and then you keep adding pieces and moving on. But like with the artists themselves though, how do you, hmm, I mean, so some would reach out, but yeah. like how do you choose who you bring into Black Buffalo? It, it's if uh, if I like the music is basically just if I, or my partner Kamud, if, if she starts dancing to a song, I know. <laughs> It's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? But yeah, it's just basically our, our, if we like it, there's some demos that I got. It's just, no, that's not really what we're looking for or not really in what I like. And I just kind of passed on it. And, that, and those are pretty much the hardest. It's hard to say no, right? So especially when somebody has worked so hard on a project mm. and, and is looking at it. So um, I try not to say no, <laughs> mm. but it, sometimes it, it's just not the right fit. So... Um, like we're, we're, we don't, we haven't put out a punk record since our second release, right? We haven't really done much other than hip hop, R and B, soul, that kind of thing since mm. our early days. And it seems to, um, 
that family that we have grown is just uh, like I said, it's just a family. It, 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 we bring in some new uh, some new faces, and the we get along, and there's some cl cross collaboration happening, mm. which is. Again, it, it's nice to see that the label and everybody on it is getting getting along, mm, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, so and that was the thing. Like you have all these artists coming, and then they make their stuff, and then this artist likes the other artist stuff, and then they jump on their record. So it's kind of uh, having this uh, roster of really talented people that love working with each other. Yep. Here's the thing, though. Um, yeah, working with an artist. Is it like when it comes to Black Buffalo, is it, do you say, okay, we're doing this for three albums or, or you know? Yeah, uh, up until this point, it's just been uh, each release. We just oh, negotiate. Oh, man, that's record. dope. That yeah. is great. That yeah. is great because, yeah. We yeah. don't, we don't want to kind of stifle or, mm. or kind of damper anybody. It's just like, okay, this is the release we like. We'll work on it and... You're free to work with anybody else or any other label, mm. um, but you know, just if you like us, come back to us. Yeah. Right? Why did so, you take that approach, though? Maybe a bit being naive and not really knowing <laughs> what to do. Uh, to be quite honest, uh, I have no experience in the music industry. I don't have. I don't, I'm not a musician. I have never been in the in the industry, so to speak. So mm. I just come, I, I approach it in a different sense, I guess. Maybe mm. it's just. Like I say, maybe just because I'm naive, but um, that's just the way I approach business in general. Right? Mm. I, I just, um, projects kind of piecemeal. That, um, that I just like to focus on that one thing. I don't want to get into too long of a relationship or complicate things too much, keep mm. it simple and move on. Yeah. So No, that's great because, like, you know, I know as an artist, we are working on this thing. Whatever comes out of that, that will determine if we go on right. and like, but from just you know going to the catalog, there are people that have two, three, so you know the relationship isn't good because they come back to sign right. for this one project working yep. in. How do you keep that relationship going though? Uh, just um, just being upfront and honest and, and being transparent with where I am in the schedule. So um, we're we're very busy now. So some artists that will send me a project, I'd be like, I can't put this out this year. It's going to be next year. If you're okay mm. with that, we can move forward. But if not, you know, I don't want to sit on that project. It's your art. Get it out there, right? Mm. So, again, just being open and honest. And I think we also have a, well, the artists are close to my age. We have a, it's a similar generation, right? Um, we are bridging the gap to a younger generation with, uh, with Paolo and Lavender and a few other artists mm. um, I'm working with. But we all kind of grew up in the same 90s hip hop era and have the same appreciation for this kind of the same music so mm. we have a lot of a lot, a lot of similarities and we bond over that too mm. right so Yo, that sounds that sounds great. So it's like you have this actual relationship. The music is just another layer on top. Yeah. Uh but like okay, um you know, different record levels have different approaches to this. Um, the artist comes in, you sign this, this is this project we're working on. Um, then, you know, the artist goes, records six, seven, whatever songs. Who, like, decides the final things are songs that are going to be on the final that, that's, product? That's usually the artist. Hmm. Um, there's only been a few times where we had to cut songs, and that's just because there's no, uh, there's no space on the record. So um, mm. you're only allowed, or maximum, about 20, 22 minutes on a record. 
Um, and some projects they'll come in at, you know, 60 minutes, right? So 30 minutes aside, you can't do it. So you got to cut a couple songs. Oh, right? so, oh so 22, 22, so about 40 minutes 40, 44 minutes is your max on a record. And, and if your project exceeds that, then something's got to drop if you want to have it on vinyl. And, oh. and for a lot of the artists, and the reason why they're playing with Black Buffalo is because we produced a physical product. And vinyl is kind of like the the high standard in, in having your, your art made, yeah. right? So everybody wants that, so most people are willing to... I mean, for the four minutes to right? get a vinyl. So, that is something so that... The, I, yeah. I, I don't cut the songs, though. I ask the artist, which ones do you yeah. are willing to not have mm -hmm. on the record? Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I don't I do not do that. I yeah, don't, man, right? so, too nice. I don't, <laughs> I'm like, no, this one, <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> Well, okay. The pro like I have projects that I'm working on myself where I am making those decisions. So mm. um, I'm getting involved with uh, DJ Moves and, and we're collaborating on making beats and we're sending them out to uh, artists and stuff. So I have some of that. No, I don't like that. And yes, mm. I can go with that on those types of projects. Yeah. But on other things where I'm not you involved, like, in, yeah. I, I don't have the... Oh, I, I can't wow. say. It. I don't want to. Respect, right? respect, respect, <laughs> respect. Um, okay, so the other thing you just mentioned now was that, like, if someone reached out to you, be like, "Oh man, your your project is great, but it's coming out next year or something." How do you decide the, I guess, the lifespan? Like, when? How you know, like the marketing Like, how do you plan it out? Uh, up until this point, we haven't really been doing a very good job of that. <laughs> to be honest, uh, we're just getting more organized with that now mm. um so up until this point i just kind of been flying by the seat of my pants um identifying whenever the record is ready that's kind of when i will identify the release date mm. i work with the artist to see if they want to have a release party that kind of thing if mm -hmm. they have a video planned um but we're getting more organized we've uh, actually uh hired an intern communication student to help us nice get more organized mm. um we are taking the business, I guess, to the next level and going to incorporate the business and start hiring more uh, larger staff uh, because we have too many projects on the go right now. Mm. Like, um, right now it's, it's, it's April and we've, I've already committed to 24 projects. God damn it. Right. <laughs> this is insane. I right. can't, what? Yeah. I thought you were going to say two projects. I'm like, no, no, 24. Like, I, 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 I just <laughs> updated the, um, my my database here before you came and it's 24 projects I committed to and, I, and I got eight projects as demos that I'm working like developing yeah, yeah, right yeah. so that that's like 30 projects right now um, probably six or seven of them will come out this year but mm. like like next year's schedules are already right right like right we're going right, into 2023 right. yeah kinda. Right? So, yeah. Holy shoot. Wow. Right. Yeah. And COVID doesn't help the production, right? So right, usually right, a turnaround right. on a record um, is about eight to 10 weeks, which is, you can manage that. That's like two months. Okay. Mm. We can, but now it's, it's extended out to about four months. Oh. All right. And so it's really hard to plan any, any kind of release. And, and even then you'll get a date and then it'll get pushed another week because you know, even I was looking on the, radio, uh, the TV today and Ontario's got new restrictions. So right, right, right. So anything um, in the warehouse kind of comes out of Ontario. That's where the records are. It's going to wait right? till... So we, we've already had that impact in, in um, back in December where we had products sitting in Toronto for like six weeks just sitting there mm. waiting to get packaged and sent to us. But 
nobody was there, right? Mm. So, but like, how about um, you mentioned COVID, right? Um, that was most of last year. Apart from the whole six-week thing, what are some other impacts that that had on Black Buffalo Records? It's actually had a positive impact. Uh, last year was a really good year for us for sales, and I, I believe it's because everybody was at home oh, on their computers, yeah. not going out to shows, but still wanted to support artists. And the only way you can really support is by buying product. Mm. And I think that's where we benefited. Um, we had a really good year last year, and, and again, that's why we are... Uh, being so ambitious this year because right? mm. like, like I said I don't take money I'm not looking for profit so I just all that success we had last year just put dumped it back, back in and yeah. put more projects out yeah <laughs> you know it's like uh, you you create this thing it makes uh, make some money and then you take all that and put it back it's great it's great it's yeah. great hmm. yeah. I'm gonna steal that idea <laughs> <laughs> so so um, here's one question for you know I know you love records and, and stuff and you know, you had the mm -hmm. record store now, the record label. Um, CDs came, you know, years ago. Yeah. I like, you know, cassettes, records went away. But then, like, in just the last couple of years, records came back. What do yeah. you think happened? Uh, yeah, so that's when I started selling out of my garage, and that was kind of the start of the resurgence of this, uh, this, this vinyl resurgence, if you will. Mm. Um, I don't know, really know where it came back. I think it's just this cool factor. Um, the indie kids kind of picked it up. Uh, there was, I think it was at a certain point where some uh, people of a bit, maybe 10 years older than me at, at that time were introducing records to their kids for the first time. So there was a, a so my generation that kind of grew up with records, they went away, but it, there's a nostalgia thing that started to happen around 2010 or so. Mm. Um, and, it, and then Record Store Day, the, the group Record Store Day kind of started putting the shine on, on that. And I think that really drove a lot of uh, the, the frenzy that we see now. Mm. Um, and uh, the collectors were always there. Like um, for me to, to acquire that, that many records to sell out of my basement, there was a network that was always there, mm. but it was just underground, right? Mm. So my friends and I would tra travel up to Moncton to a record fair there. Um, in the early 2000s, and that's where I would buy a lot of my records. Mm. Uh, and that record community was kind of started back early, early 80s with uh, the owner of Taz Records, Bob Switzer, right? And, and he kind of started that whole collection, collecting um, uh, community in Halifax mm. and in the Maritimes back in the 80s, and it was always kind of strong uh, the DJ culture kept it kind of pushing in the 90s and 2000s. Um, they were always playing vinyl. Um, but here in the Maritimes, it, uh, collecting records was always, uh, there was always a community doing it. Mm. Right? And um, that was another thing um, that kind of helped the success of Black Buffalo was that we organized a, a Halifax record fair early on too. Oh, uh, nice, Starting nice, in 2011, nice. uh, my best friend uh, uh, Phil McDonald and I uh, we we booked uh, booked the forum. We got a few tables together of our of our records and a few of our friends that we knew, and we opened. We had uh, the Halifax Record Fair, and we had over eight hundred people show up that day. Nice, right? nice. So, and then we knew that we were onto something. Yeah. Right. So, um, COVID. Getting back to that whole COVID, that that was the one of the things that impacted was that we were not able to have our 
uh, our record fairs on a regular basis. And that mm. really kind of, that, that hurt us. I, I, that's, that's where the passion for me is collecting records and buying records. So that, that record fair was a, it was a special event and mm. not being able to have it kind of. Here's the thing it, though, so. I was just thinking, um, like, you know, um, uh, when someone goes to get a record, do they already know what you're going to get? Like, because you can't listen to, I don't know, can you listen to the thing when you're at the store? Or? Well, that's what, we, we had a, a, a listening booth, right? We oh. always had a play copy, right? So if anybody wanted to, to hear it before, um, we, uh, we had that. Okay. But generally, uh, you, know, you, you can hear it on Spotify or stream it. A lot of yeah. people will listen to it digitally before coming in. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm not that way. I like to hear it first on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> Just a preference. But uh, uh, yeah, so a lot of people, though, collect records today for the, the color variants, too. They're not really buying it for the, the audio quality. They're yeah. buying it for the aesthetics. <laughs> we have... Uh, or inspector back again. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the other thing is records are expensive. Yeah. And then it's, the the pieces absolutely. you need to create it's, where you listen to is also right. expensive. So, yep. uh, but like people, why do you think that even with that expense, people are still uh, attuned to getting records and listening to music that way? Yeah, it's a physical experience. It's it, it, it kind of you get immersed into the record when you you pick it up, you look at it, you have the artwork. Um, you, you don't have that same experience when you're streaming on digital, right? Mm. It's either on a a device that you're not looking at, right. or it's out of sight, out of mind. It's more of a, a radio interaction than when you have a personal when you physically went out, spent your money on something, mm. you, you have an expectation, right? You have a connection right there because you made that purchase. Mm. When, when you're on digital as well, it's, you're not exchanging anything, yeah, right? So yeah. the, the, there's a whole interaction about going and buying it from a person, mm. <laughs> going home, listening to it. So it, it, I think that's, humans just want some interaction with things, you know? Yeah, so, it, it's, yeah. so it has intrinsic value. We are social beings. Right. We are social beings. So um, I, I, I was like, okay, came in, came in and your house is full of records. But then I found out that this is actually where um, the tiny concert was yep. made. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> of course, right? Because yep. the, the, the buffalo was there. So let's talk about the tiny concert a bit. What you know? What made you decide to come up with that concept? And how did you set it up? And what was the process of getting yeah. it all together? Um, just wanted to celebrate Black Buffalo in a way. I wanted to get some exposure uh, on YouTube. Wanted to set up the Black Buffalo channel. Um, just thought of a way, came up with an idea to try to get as many video <laughs> filming hits as I could at one time. So I've always been a fan of the uh, the NPR Tiny Desk. Mm. So I was watching that one day and the light bulb went off. I was like, well, I could do that here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I, I, I know all these artists. Um, the, the space is nice, have access to the equipment. So yeah, just, just organized it, reached out um, to the artist to see who wanted to, um, to perform and the response was good. So we filmed it over a course of a couple weeks and, mm. and we edited the videos and released them over the series of like, you know, two months or something. Yeah, it was dope. I right. loved it. Love Lavender's one, Aquaculture's one. Um, and like, so you, you know, so like you have Aquaculture and Ghetto Socks and Aqua Socks. Yeah. 
right? All, you know, Saudi Arabia. And, and, and there's also a bleeding gums. So um, Aquaculture teamed up with Fester, and they put out a project called Bleeding Gums, mm. and that that did very well as well. And they're performing that live uh, next month for yeah. the first time. So that's going to be exciting. To yeah, see. I, I, I heard the the yeah Aquaculture is like I don't know. He's I think since he had the baby. He's just been in a different plane, yep. right? I mean, he's always been great. Uh, one of his songs, Safe, I actually took it and I made it into a play. Okay. Um, but, like, Legacy is just, like, a sick album. Yep. And then he still has capacity to work with all these people. Yep. And then he's also working on his projects. But, like, when you have an artist that is so multi-pronged like this uh how do you handle that because you're pretty much working with one person but on like three or four projects yeah and like when it comes to aquaculture um again it's just project based um mm. so um fester actually came and pitched the bleeding gums right it, that was uh that was more on fester to come to us and say hey we, he's got a project features lance we've put out uh, projects with uh, lance before aquaculture and it, and it yeah so it's just kind of project by project so when when uh, aquaculture had legacy um i actually approached approached him and said you know who's putting out your record you know like we're open mm. that kind of thing so and, and and with with hollows and aqua socks that was uh that was more on ghetto socks coming mm. right so each project has a different approach mm. and a different angle um and and yeah like we don't uh we haven't really signed an artist to the label. Every artist is, is still a, a, an independent artist. Yeah, right? it's just the project, not it's, the it's artist. All, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess when you're mentioning all these things, uh, it just hit me that it's just you and your partner, Kamut. That's it. Yep. Like, how do you two make it work? Because that's a lot of things to yeah. for two people to handle. Uh, I, we just make it work. I guess we both have the passion, Kamut. Um, she has a special skill set that I don't have with being able to communicate on, on a personal level with some people. I don't have sometimes those people skills, <laughs> right? So uh, I, I sometimes call it good cop and bad cop, <laughs> right? But, but she also has a passion for music. She, and she just, yeah, it, it's more of a family. So when you, when you get to know these people yeah. as a person, you want to, you want to, do good for them. You yeah. want to do your best for them, right? Right. right you don't right. want to let them down, mm, right? So, mm. um, you know, you talked about Kamut's taste, and she introduced me to Sampati Great, and I've yeah. been listening to these artists all the while. Um, one thing, though, at the end of the day, artists are still human beings, right? Yeah. And you know, like human beings have good sides and bad sides, and yeah. uh, you know, do you ever have to? I guess manage when an artist is not living up to expectations or doing things that's distracting them from the music. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's always going to be times when you step on toes or your butt heads, uh, but it, it's how how you come out and how you figure out how to get beyond that. And sometimes um, we, we have had differences or, or problems that we can't get beyond and we just go our separate ways mm. and that, that's that's that has come come around recently but you know we no hard feelings we just kind of move on right mm. so and again it, it that's when you when you're dealing with this many people and, and 
and passions run that run so deep the thing you know um people fall out sometimes and relationships break down and that's just the way things go right mm, you can't mm. really um you can't control everything you just can control what you can uh what you can and and you move on so it's yeah just, it's, it's 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 the unfortunate side and the ugly side of things but it, it comes with the good, right? You got to take the good with the bad. True, true, true. You know, I, I'm just learning so much from you. Cassettes. Why did you decide to like, okay, so vinyl I get, but cassettes, yeah. why was it important I, to I could also- never buy records as like, all my favorite hip hop that I bought growing up was on cassette. Because mm-hmm. vinyl was, hip hop vinyl or hip hop records, Yeah. Were, you couldn't find them. Uh, it was very hard unless you went to the bigger cities like Montreal or Toronto. Oh. Um, there was a, a store here. I forget the name of the store, but the owner's name was Delroy. Um, <laughs> he always had uh, the best imported cassettes. He had a few 12-inch um, hip-hop records, but just really not a very good strong selection. This selection was strong for cassettes. Mm. And, and I would go there, and, and that's... And cassettes was just that we everybody had a boombox. You walked around with your your boombox. You put your your tape in, and that, that was the culture back in the late '80s, early '90s. Mm. Everybody was making mix tapes and trading tapes. And, yeah. Right. So that's where I grew up, and and for me, hip hop is on a cassette. Right. That's mm. right. It, 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 it's nice to have it on record, and, and that's. It, but for me, that's. I was always experienced it on tape, and I've always supported it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was like, okay, so at the end of the day, Black Buffalo Record is all about records, right? So yep. I said, um, can you talk me through some? So this is what Channel Halifax. Yeah, this is one of our first. Uh, this was our first project with Word Burglar. Um, this was number four, I think. Yep, um, and. Uh, Word Burglar came out, uh, reached out to me. He wanted to use this store as in his video for this China Halifax. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, uh, let, let's do that. And then struck up a conversation with him and we decided to put it out on on record. So this was one of our first seven inches that we've ever put out. Oh. A color variant on orange. It's also available in blue and black. Wait, uh, how did it, like, I'm used to records being a sudden color. Um, like, does the color change affect it in any way, or? Oh, some of the pure audiophiles think that the color doesn't have the, as good a sound, or the, the vinyl um, deteriorates when you scratch, but a lot of that is, um, those are, the, the technology today has improved to where that doesn't really matter anymore, like mm. the, the, um, the wax that they use for color wax is better than they did back in, like, so a lot of those, uh, those rumors or misconceptions came out of the the shitty quality vinyl that came out of the late 70s and early 80s where they're mm. trying to make records thinner because of the the oil embargo and stuff oh. and, and and just the quality and production back then was not as good as it is now okay. and, and so color variants are are more sought after for collectors these days just because of the um the, the collectability the rare the rareness of them and 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 the and the uh, audio is still comparable to a black record or so. yeah so again like i said so you have this whole thing where you walk on with one artist on on this pro, on just a project and then they're like oh that was great yeah this is another word burglar one yeah another word burglar <laughs> this is number 13 yeah uh further down the line and again yeah this uh this these records came off one of his albums i forget which one um this one featured esoteric which 
uh, I was familiar with, a fan of, and as soon as I heard the, the song, I'm like, yep, that was good. And then the B-side uh, had uh, featured Mega Ran and Cool Keith, and I've always been a fan of Cool Keith. So mm -hmm. again, another no-brainer, couple, <laughs> couple good tracks, uh, great artwork. Um, it, it sold very well for us, and uh, yeah, it's uh, we're, um, Abu Dhabi yeah. is on Holos, right? Yes, this was the so we dropped this seven inch before the record. This okay. was uh, um, the first. Uh, yeah, they just at this point they only had a couple songs ready. The, oh. the project wasn't fully developed. Do you think it's like for most of the artists that come out, or you just wait to get the the full record out? Yeah, it's whatever is submitted at the time, and, and at this point, it, it, we were so, I guess, eager to get out new product, it was just like, let's just keep the engine going, oh. right? And so we had this, I really I, I really enjoyed the song, I wanted to start supporting and getting, you know, the, the, the light on uh, on aquaculture, and also just starting to work with, uh, with Ghetto Socks, and just seeing, again, it was more of a, How's this relation, relationship going to go? Let's mm, let's put this out and then see. we can talk further. And then yeah, yeah it, it went well and got an award up there behind your back. There. So, yeah. uh, and then moves, of course, with Smiggity Smoke. Yeah, this was the first uh, first project I did with Moves. I released a seven inch uh, Smiggity Smoke, and on this on the backside is Nightlife featuring Fat Matt. Mm. Um, again, uh, a song that I can really relate to, uh, smoking cannabis all the time <laughs> for, for a very long time. So, uh, yeah, again, it was just a, another kind of see how this goes. So all these kind of seven inches have now led to bigger projects like the, mm, like the, the, fat full, mat, the full length moves, fat mat, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. again, we, we did well with, with the smiggity smoke yeah. and, uh, just moved on to bigger projects. And this is, we just dropped this in February. Yeah. Um, it's now up on Spotify this week. So you can stream it and, and uh, it's all on all digital platforms, but um, really, really uh, good to get to know Fat Matt through this process. Uh, we didn't know Fat Matt before and just uh, getting to know him as a person and his story, it's been really uh, rewarding putting out the product and, and one, of, uh, one of my favorite records of this year so far. Oh, wow. Wow. How do you, when it comes to the artwork, right, um, is that on you, on Black Buffalo, or on the artist? It's on the artist. And, okay. and most of these artists, uh, you can see some of the similarity in artwork. A lot of these guys, uh, like to deal with their, the, the, the same mm. graphic artist. So the, mm. the graphic artist that did both of these is, goes by the name of Rec. Mm. And he's from, uh, so DJ Moose and Fat Matt, they all come from a crew called Low Pressure Fried Chicken, LPFC. <laughs> Low right? Pressure Fried Chicken, okay. Right, and these guys uh, all met out in East Van mm. um, and really bonded out there, made some really dope music out there. Um, Rec was uh, their basically their graffiti artist. So uh, anytime they needed artwork, they would go says, to him yeah. and, th and those loyalties still run yeah. strong. So yeah, yeah. every every moves project I have, Rec is doing the artwork. Right? <laughs> Pretty so, much, okay. Um, I hope I'm, I'm getting this right. Stoneham, right? Stoneham, yeah. Uh, formerly goes by the name of Royce Berth. Mm. Um, so this was kind of a, a re reinvention for this uh for him he mm. uh a really strong project um we put out a project with him and fortunato uh, 
last year called Blood, Sweat and Tears Part Two, mm. where he went under the name of Royce Berth. Um, but he just now going through a bit of a change, um, just another strong project, a very uplifting, uh, really good for this time mm. with COVID and everything. All the songs on here about uh, overcoming mm. um, obstacles. The good fight, right? Redemption, yeah. Second Wind. Yeah, yeah. Really. Very, very inspiring record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the reason why I wanted to put it. It was sometimes when you listen to hip hop, it's always about the same kind of you know, drugs and sex and crime and, you know, the, the, all the cliche kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or it's the conscious kind of political stuff. And when I yeah. heard, heard Stoneham, it, this was just more kind of, you know, positive, refreshing. Kind of, it, just, it just hit me in a different way. And I'm like, yeah, let, let's, let's do it. Yeah, so, this is number 32 from BBR. Yeah, that came out just before Fat Matt in, in January. But unfortunately, with COVID and, and artists not being able to get it, get out and kind of tour and shows, pour. And yeah. A lot of these are kind of sitting on the shelf until mm. we can start to get together again. Mm. And hopefully when that happens, we'll... Yeah, I mean, we at least here in Halifax and with Scotia, as a whole, we are doing good because we kind of have some shows. We had like something at the uh, Marquis. Why are they calling it the Derby now? Uh, yeah, so that, that has uh, some significance with the, the, the black community in Halifax. The, the Derby was the, the bar, um, predominantly the black bar on Godgen Street. Oh. Um, and they it moved locations and shut down. So I think they're trying to give some pace gotcha. of homage and call, so, call it the uh, Derby. Yeah. Right? Man, I need to just be texting you when I have all these questions because you have the answers now. I know what dope plate is. I know what the Derby is. Um, okay, like I'm having so much fun. I, I'm sure like I'm taking so much of your no, time. No, this is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it with this question though. Um, like, you know, so you have a day job. You're doing this thing with Kamut. You know, just the two of you for years and years now. And it's not even about the money, because all the money just goes back into mm -hmm. making yeah. more of this. How do you keep that passion going now? Like, does this just come down to the music? Uh, well, Kamun and I don't have any uh, any kids, so I, I think Black Buffalo is our kid, oh. if you will. It's our child. It's so. If we didn't do that, we'd be staring at each other <laughs> and doing not, nothing. So we got to keep active. We got to do something, and and, and we we enjoy being involved in the community. We enjoy the artists that we deal with, mm. right? So it, it's, it, it goes beyond label and artists. It's more of a friendship. Mm. So we, we enjoy getting out and seeing these people, right? So um, yeah, it's like, if we, were, if we weren't doing this, we'd be sitting watching TV. So you know, <laughs> that's not much fun. Oh man, this has been great. Thank you yeah. so much, Kevin. Thank um, you. And Thank you. I, you know, I can't wait for what is coming out from Black Buffalo next. Yeah, no, the really busy year. Um, keep keep your eye out on us. We have releases coming out with uh, Tichichi. It's going to be a really big release. Mm -hmm. um, we have a really uh, a project with a DJ out of Chicago called DJ M Rock. It's a really strong release. Um, we have a hip club groove reissue coming out. That's oh, wow. um, a lot of uh, a lot of anticipation for that. A lot of people looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, like I said, we have probably another six, seven other projects. Yeah. That I'm just gonna keep under <laughs> under wraps for now. But you know, check out all the social medias. Um, uh, I mentioned earlier we have, we have hired a, a communication intern, so it's not just the two of us anymore. It's mm. three of us. Um, I should probably say four of us because Ghetto Socks helps a lot with artwork and and a lot of 
the guidance. Mm. Uh, so he, he he's a key key player on the team as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just keep keep watching us. We're on all the social medias. We'll have we'll be hitting you with a lot of hot music. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs>